your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. All the way to the corner with a basketball. He spins, he drives, he puts it up. Got it! Patty Allen puts Nebraska up by one. 62 to 61, 12.3 seconds left to go. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Back with you after a couple of nights of Husker basketball as they battled Maryland back-to-back. First time Nebraska has played a team in back-to-back nights on the hardwood since 1976 when they lined up with the Rainbows of Hawaii in back-to-back games. Unfortunately, couldn't come out on top on either one, but pretty competitive in both of those games. And now we'll get ready to play Purdue at home at PBA on Saturday afternoon. Uh, so a lot a lot has happened, Ben, since we last spoke on on Monday as it relates to Husker sports. And unfortunately, the Ireland McLaughlins are going to have to wait a while to meet uh, one of their own as the Ireland Classic with Nebraska and Illinois has been sadly postponed. Yeah, I think we all kind of anticipated that happening, but it's still sad nonetheless to have it you know, officially kind of out of the picture. So, um, yeah, I mean, just kind of waiting for that shoe to drop. I think, you know, by this time, you know, a year ago when the, when the virus was just happening, we were thinking that this would be done and cleared out of here by then. Um, unfortunately, not the case. And, you know, let's just hope that there's still uh, some room for this in the future. And maybe not this year, but, but very soon the Huskers can find a way over the pond and, uh, and go play. Yeah, we're, we're slated to talk to Bill Moose next week for his monthly radio show. That certainly will be a question is like, do, do you anticipate keeping the conversation open, the lines of communication with those game pr- promoters to, to do this? Because I think there was a pretty good rush of Husker fans that when this got announced initially, what, 14, 15 months ago, that this was going to be a pretty pretty successful thing and a great exposure playing on week zero one of the few games in the country that day, a lot of exposure for your program, a chance for your pro, your players to go spend some time in a foreign country. Your fans can get a nice little kind of vacation out of the deal, go spend a time around Dublin or just tour the entire country of Ireland. So I, I hope that happens. The one thing that did surprise me, Ben, a little bit was is that, it, that they're going to keep the game on the same weekend. So Nebraska is going to get a chance to play week zero. Now in Champaign, obviously, instead of going to Ireland, I, I didn't. I didn't know if the NCAA or the Big Ten would allow that. They'd probably go, "Well, let's move you guys around. Let's kind of stick it back a little bit." But I still, I still think there'll be some advantages to that. You can really gather a lot of a lot of interest and attention by playing when very few other schools are going to be playing there in late August. Yeah, I definitely think there's some benefits to it. You know, I think again, maybe from for di- different circumstances, thinking back to the Central Arkansas Austin P game Peay. that we. Uh, mm-hmm that we watched earlier this year. I mean, that was the first real live football that we got to watch amidst the pandemic. So we were all obviously very excited to, uh, to see the sport regardless uh, of who was playing. And I think, you know, on, on a much smaller scale, that's the case every year, right? I mean, the first games of the year, first couple games of the year, everybody watches just to, um, you know, get an idea of, uh, of what the sport looks like just to see it out there again. And it doesn't really matter who's playing. And, you know, for Nebraska, a chance to get out there in front of some eyeballs early on and, you know, hopefully play well in that game and kind of give people some uh, some some indication of what type of team they're going to have. And hopefully it's a good it's a good team. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was with you. I kind of expected that thing to kind of bounce later in the schedule. It didn't. Um, and, you know, the date won't won't be the same, but uh, the opponent will. And so from that standpoint, not a lot changes from the coaches and, you know, they can get to work on the Illini. The new look the Brett, Illini. Yeah, right. The Brett Bielma era starts for Illinois football. So that's going to be a little bit different in itself as their first game. I don't mind that at all. I mean, you've got a new staff trying to get new new verbiage in. I don't mind that at all. And so, you know, chance to go pick off a road win to begin your year for Husker football. So it'll be a late August start for the Big Red on the gridiron. Also, as it relates to football, Ben, and from the last couple of days, was the, the announcement that Ron Brown is now an offensive analyst he had been the director of player development for the Cornhuskers, and, and Scott Frost kind of indicated 
after the season ended that maybe they weren't utilizing Ron's talents uh, to the best of their capabilities. Coach Frost even, I think, told me, he said, he's one of the best football minds we have in this building. I'm not sure we're getting enough out of him. And so here's a chance for him to have more of an impact on game plans, on scouting, on those type of things that analysts do. Um, we, and we talked quite a bit about analysts a week or so ago, but now Ron Brown's got a new role, a new title, and, and a new maybe a new influence on Husker football moving forward. Yeah, I mean, he's been around a long time, right? I mean, this guy's had his hands all over Husker football for a long time, and I think any time that you've got a relatively new staff, you know, you're you're always looking for kind of that veteran in the room, that presence, somebody that, you know, maybe has some answers that you, you don't uh, in terms of how things work. Uh, that, that, that experience, you know, can't be really replicated. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and, you know, to your point, Coach Frost, made a made a point to that in the press conference he had his last press conference just about the way that that move was portrayed um, by some local media and some articles that you know he was forcibly being changed roles or or whatever he made it a point to tell us that that wasn't the case he you know he needed to find a role that best suited you know coach brown's um skill set so hopefully this fits that hopefully having his eyes and his experience can you know, really help, you know, a different, different perspective. And, you know, when things aren't going well or, you know, people are having a hard time, you know, finding an answer to a question, you know, maybe that, that guy's the answer or at least has some idea of who might know the answer. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this new role for him, um, you know, changes the landscape of, of what Nebraska wants to do offensively. I don't think much will change in terms of scheme or anything like that, but I do think having that experience and having that guy that's been around a long time and Coach Frost has a lot of trust in um, will definitely benefit, you know, and maybe the coaches as much as the players. I think with the addition of of making that change with Ron Brown and what we talked about a week ago with Bill Bush, who was at LSU this past year, coming on as a defensive analyst, I think that's just a win-win. Two guys that certainly love the program, know the state of Nebraska, know the culture, all those things. They check an awful lot of boxes and add an awful lot of experience for the college game in in the room and for the way Nebraska wants to be as a program. I, I just think it's been two really good moves for Coach Frost with, with Coach Bush and now Ron Brown making the move to that. Hey, buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. All right, a back-to-back games against Maryland, games that Nebraska was really competitive in both. Ben, last night got a little sideways late. Thought the Huskers shot the ball pretty well last night, which usually when you're really tired, that that's one sign is that you're not your legs go on you a little bit, and you don't shoot it. But they shot it pretty well last night. But maybe maybe the fatigue showed itself on the defensive end, where they gave up – seemed like they gave up an awful lot of inside buckets to the Terps in that game. Probably from the standpoint of competitiveness, the game Tuesday was more competitive than last night. Even though last night's final score was closer than Tuesday night's final score, sometimes final scores can be deceiving – but I like what I like what I'm. This team is making progress. This team is getting better, and they just got the one win on this little three-game road trip back east. But they got to win, and I think that they're sta- It looks to me like they're hanging together pretty well through a really wicked rough stretch of, of basketball. Yeah, and, and that that was what was encouraging about the last eight minutes of the game last night. I mean, you knew that game was was over. You know, they weren't going to come back and win that game, and. You know, I think it was a 20-point game at, at one point. That thing could have got out of hand to 30, 30-plus, 30 yep. the way that Maryland was shooting the ball. But you got to give a lot of credit to the team for continuing to fight and and playing till the final horn and making that look respected, respectable. Um, you got to give a lot of credit to their fight. And it was clear, you know, the last half of the second half of yesterday's game that their legs were, were, were just were give, they were shot. I mean, they – they weren't closing out on shooters. You know, it was hard for them to generate a lot of spacing. Just the shots were short. All the telltale signs of tired legs kind of came out in the last 10 minutes of the game yesterday. Um, they had a really hard time locating Ayala and Wiggins, who just went nuts on those on, on us both games. Um, and, you know, that they paid for it. Just not, not a good enough job closing out on shooters when – that's what they've been really good at since starting this this play since coming back from the COVID is, you know, the defensive efficiency, their ability to take away the three low three point percentage. Unfortunately, with these two games against Maryland, 
Um, Terps just got after it on the three-point line, and they're good defensively. Maryland's a good defensive team. You mm-hmm. can tell Nebraska had to work really, really hard on the offensive end to get good looks, and unfortunately for the Huskers, just too many mistakes on the offensive end of the floor. Um, but again, two hard-fought games, and I know they're two losses, but um, you know you just you can't feel sorry for yourself because. <laughs> You got to turn around and play another one here um, in a few days and, uh, you know, just try and find a way to get your legs under you because this has just been a brutal stretch for Nebraska since coming back. And, you know, I think they've they've represented themselves pretty well considering uh, where they were at and, you know, what that record says. You know, I think for the most part outside of that Ohio State game, teams may look at Nebraska's record and think one thing, and then after they play them for 40 minutes, they might have a little different idea of, of what Nebraska basketball is about, at least how hard they play. So that's the goal. Continue to get better. And, you know, there, there, there has been flashes where we've seen this offense kind of take steps forward. I think that's what we've all been waiting for. Right. I mean, I, th- I think now we all know this season is gone. It's, I mean, as far as trying to make any kind of postseason, that type of thing, that's not going to happen. But if you, if you want to see this team, you want to see this team become a better team because most of this group will be back next year. Now, there probably will be – some transfers that's just college basketball now i don't know what it's going to be but it probably will be something but for the most part this core should be back next year which automatically gives them a jump ahead of where it's been for coach hoiberg's first and second seasons where he's going to have a group that kind of knows what he wants when the season begins and so if they can end on an uptick playing better basketball feeling better about what they're doing what they're running all those type of things that can be encouraging I think for Nebraska, as you look into 21-22 season starting next November. So that that's kind of what I'm looking for over the last next couple of weeks. Uh, the next game is Purdue, Saturday at home. Then it was announced that the, the Penn State will return the trip now to Lincoln on a Tuesday night. And there may be even another game added to the schedule late next week. And so... Uh, they're still trying to crunch all these games in. They're trying to get Nebraska to the full complement, Ben, of 20 conference games. Interestingly enough, last night in the post game, Coach Hoiberg was asked, I believe it was by Sam McEwen of the Omaha World-Herald, that there's a lot of rumblings that Michigan, who has also been on a COVID delay for quite a while, they're back now, they're playing tonight. Josh mentioned them in the ticker. They're playing Rutgers later tonight. Apparently is not going to play all 20 league games. Ben, I don't get this. I don't get this. Are we so we're going to treat people within the league differently? I, th- this 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 blows my mind that this league is going to bend rules for certain teams in the league. And by golly, Nebraska got tongue whipped and sent to the sent to the corner of the room to stand in the corner of the room with their face to the wall because they asked to play an on-conference football game back in November, and yet we tweaked the rules so Ohio State could get into the championship game of the Big Ten in football, and now we're not going to make Michigan play all their games because uh, they got a chance to be a number one seed in the tournament. Well, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really seem right, does it? I, I, I just – it was funny because – you know, I've watched some of those. I, I think it was the Michigan Wisconsin game was their first game back, yep. and that was a lot of. There was a lot of chatter in that game from the announcers about the run that Michigan was then going to have to go on, and how many games they were going to have to play, and how brutal of a stretch it was going to be. And you know, by that point, Nebraska was about a little, little over a, a third of the way done through their long stretch, and I'm thinking. This, this, you know, Nebraska is the one that's that's going through it right now. Michigan's just starting it, and yeah, I'm not sure how it came to be. I don't know if it was Michigan's side of things that were saying, look, this isn't going to be uh, prudent for us to do this. This isn't going to be a, you know, this probably isn't a best-case scenario for us. I don't know if it was that or if it was the conference just going, look, we can't do this. I, I, I can't speak to how it happened. All I know is that it, it, it has and will happen. Nebraska, you know, sent through the grinder and a five-day road trip after playing basically back-to-back nights um you know back at home and with wisconsin and illinois and then on the road to play three more and then you know back home a couple of days later for a few more it's it's kind of incredible the amount of uh the you know games that nebraska's had to play in this time and you know i think you're exactly right having that little little number next to your name in this case what a two or a three for michigan you know is going to require more conversation and (laughs) and it has and it's worked and I don't know that the Wolverines are going to have to worry about it. You know, I think the Coach Hoiberg's quote was something like, well, I, 
you know, I don't think anything's fair at this point or something, something along those lines again. And, and, it, and it's, it's, it's bad because what are we supposed to just sit here and take it, like take it laying down and say, all right, well, the, the, or, or do we say how we feel and come across as whiny and complaining, you know, Nebraska, just leave the big 10. Nobody will even know you're left, you know, type thing. It's just such a bad situation to be in. And it's a situation that we're finding ourselves in, <laughs> way more than anybody else in the league and it just it's extremely frustrating sure is and and you just really got to question the all the old one for all all for one theory that conferences should have we don't treat anybody any differently well we've had a couple of prime examples of the big 10 doing things bending things for different institutions as we've moved through an unprecedented year it's just it is rather frustrating. All right, uh, that's what we're dealing with here on the program tonight. Also, a baseball schedule has come out. And coming up next, the head baseball coach, Will Bolt, will join us. We'll talk about the upcoming schedule for the Big Red, a 44-game schedule, all conference games that will begin on March the 5th with Nebraska opening a, f- a four-game weekend series against the Purdue Boilermakers. The schedule also includes 16 home games that will be played at Haymarket Park, but not the first one isn't until late March before Nebraska will have their home opener. We'll get the head coach's thoughts about the schedule, how workouts have been going. They've been practicing since the last Friday of January, so they've had about three weeks of full practices under their belt. We'll get an update from Coach Bull. Thursday night of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network and delighted to be joined now by the head baseball coach of the Cornhuskers, Will Bolt. How you doing, Coach? How are things in your world? Oh man, doing great. We got a we got a schedule. Uh, we're we're practicing baseball. Um, things are great. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Long time I know coming to get that schedule. How much input were you and the coaches did you have in this thing? Once you knew that it was going to be a conference only, did they give you some input in this thing? Well, we had we had a lot of Zoom meetings um, over the course of. Honestly, since the pandemic, this time last, almost this time last year, we had a ton of Zoom meetings just trying to put our heads together as coaches, knowing that there was going to be a pretty big financial hit, and trying to figure out ways to creative ways to help save money um, in some in some ways with with travel and and those type of things. And as we got a little bit closer, and we had some direction as far as conference only um, and those type of things, we really kind of tried to put our heads together and had to find the best way the the, the issue a lot of times is just the math um, just trying to the 44 games um, with 13 teams playing baseball in 13 weeks just trying to figure out how to maximize that and um, you know there's certainly going to be some oddities in there um, in a year like this where we're trying to uh, piece it together somewhat but um, it's far from perfect but we feel like um, everybody's got a, a, a a pretty fair chance to, to compete and um, you know got to definitely have a true champion this year with with 44 conference games as opposed to 24. You, you it's been a while since you've been around the league because last year we didn't get a chance to play league games that's when the season got halted before we got into that but on paper it looks like it you, you're going to be tested aren't you the way you make your way through this thing. No doubt. I mean, there's there's a lot of this may be as as balanced as it's ever been in the Big Ten, and a lot of it has to do with the returning seniors, guys with next year of eligibility, uh, more guys getting to school, um, whether it be junior college uh, prospects that got to school that may not have in another year with a, a regular draft, high school kids getting to school. So, I think the talent, just like much like it is going to be across the country, is probably going to be as good as it's ever been in our conference. Um, I think we probably have as many teams as ever that feel like they have a legitimate chance to be a regional type team. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a battle each weekend. You've been busy with Husker baseball coach, Will Bolt here on sports Night. The schedule came out a couple of days ago, 44 games. It starts for Nebraska, March the 5th down in round rock as they'll play Purdue in a four game series down there. You've been at it for a couple of weeks of practice. Give us a, a, a a snippet of what it's been like. How how is how's this group look as you get ready to to launch into this thing? Yeah, one of the one of the silver linings in the schedule and the way it was kind of laid out for us this year with a, a little bit of an academic change um, with with COVID era here. We we were able to bring the guys back um, in early January um, because we had a, a mini semester course. Um, that that's basically started the, the spring semester about three weeks earlier than it normally would. 
Um, so we were able to make up for some lost time. We, you know, with the guys going home before Thanksgiving this year, and, and we us not seeing seeing them again um, until that point in time, we were able to make up for some lost time bringing them back early. So we've actually been not full team practice uh, since January the fifth, but um, we've at least had some time together since then. Um, so we've been able to really ramp up our pitchers, see where everybody's at health from a health standpoint. Um, we got to, we're going to have a ton of live at bats under our belt, albeit not outside, um, just with the weather that we've had, but, you know, we have the facilities that allow us to do that. So, um, we, we've seen a lot, we've seen a lot of bright spots with, on the, on the, on the pitching staff, I, you know, we look back to the fall. I feel like the pitchers really had their way with the hitters for the most part. Um, it's been a lot more punch back. I feel like from the hitters this spring so far, um, a lot more days where it's, it's looks more evenly matched. And I think that's just a, a testament to the group we have. Um, I think we have some talent on both sides of the ball. Um, and, you know, some days the, the pitchers are having their way. Some days the hitters are. And that's really ultimately what you like to see as a coach is feel like you got a pretty balanced team if that's the case. I know you only got 15 games under your belt last year, but I also know you were holding your breath in some cases because you didn't have some depth at certain spots. Do you feel like you're a deeper team getting ready to go into this year? Yeah, we're, we're certainly a deeper team. Um, and we were, again, I think we have some really good top end talent on our team. I mean, we have two of the top prospects um, in the entire conference on our roster. Um, I feel like what we've been able to do though is, is surround those great, really good top end players with um, a lot of good players around them. And, and we've, we've added to the depth on the mound. Certainly um, we feel like we've got more options in the bullpen. We feel like we've got a few more options offensively, especially on the infield. I feel like you just, you have to be versatile on the infield to be a good team. Um, if you're athletic on the infield, um, you've got some interchangeable moving parts where guys can play in different spots. If you have injuries, um, if you have some COVID issues, um, you know, guys that can go to the outfield if need be. Um, so I feel like we were able to shore a lot of that stuff up. I feel good about, you know, our one through 38 right now. I feel like each guy can bring a little bit something to the table to help a team win. And you can't always say that every year about every team. How's your, how has your team done navigating the virus? Have you had much outbreak at all? You know, we've had just a few cases here and there, um, just with with guys, but but nothing, you know, to a, a degree that's that's really crippling to us. Um, you know, anytime you have, it's really not necessarily the sickness that you deal with; it's the it's the layoff um, when guys come back, whether it be the ten day or the fourteen day, or um, then you've you've got some tests that they've got to go through, and it really just kind of knocking the rust off is really what you find a little bit with that. So we have, we've been pretty fortunate that way. We've had a few things here and there, nothing nothing too um, damaging to our ability to practice. Um, you know, when we'll be ramping up the the testing process here as we get closer to our season, just with the Big Ten protocols. Again, visiting with Will Bolt, Husker baseball coach here on Sports Sunday. With a lot of these weekends, Coach, being four-game sets in three days, uh, are they going to let you expand the travel roster? What, what, what's, what are those stipulations for you, and what stress will that put on you playing a lot of four-game weekend series? Yeah, I, I mean, we will have an ex- expanded travel roster. That's something that was approved for this year. Um, we'll be able to travel 32 uh, usually it's 27, so we'll get five extra players um, to make up for it. Um, so that that certainly helps ease a little bit of, of that concern. Um, but everybody's going to be in the same boat, playing you know four four games on a weekend um, fairly often throughout the course of the year. So uh, it definitely you got to find more outs on the mound. Um, you've got to stay that much more focused. Um, as a defender, um, playing that many games on a weekend, especially playing double headers in there as well. So, um, you know, one of the things that we did adjust with the schedule is is a, a double header day is going to be a seven inning game and then a nine inning game after that. Um, so that that eases it a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you just got to be mentally tough, mentally sharp, mentally focused. Um, all the things that we we harp on um, since the day they set foot on campus is really going to be tested this this spring. Who might be some arms that you're stretching out now to be potential starters for you as you get ready to launch into this thing? 
Yeah, we've had um, we had some guys in the fall that we feel like really solidified based off of past successes. Um, not necessarily just the fall success, but just past success, whether it be summer ball, um, last season, previous seasons. Um, Kay Povich is a guy that we certainly feel like can take the ball to start weekends for us. I mean, he's he's going to mix three or four pitches just about every outing. His stuff has continued to get better and sharper. Um, each time he takes the ball, he's more physical than he was this time last year. Um, he's been through it. Um, he's had some success in summer baseball in a really good league. Um, and, and again, this fall. So we feel like he's a guy that has certainly trending towards earning, um, uh, uh, getting the ball early in the weekend. Chance Chance Roach is another um, just veteran, fifth-year guy, um, been a starter at, at another school, um, been an All-American starter at that, um, had a great fall, just knows how to navigate a lineup, can field his position, holds runners, just does a lot of things that winners do. Um, we feel like he's, he's going to give us a great shot each time he takes the ball. Um, Shea Shanneman. Had a nice fall after a, a good summer. Um, kind of a nice bounce back for him. Kind of finished the way his spring season finished for him. He kind of carried that momentum into the summer. Feel like he did. He did a nice job. He continues to get better each time he's taking the ball this spring. So we feel like he's a guy that can can stretch lineups a little bit. Um, Jake Buns is another that he was coming off an injury in the fall. Um, fairly limited, um, had some setbacks this spring, but is feeling really good. Um, another guy that we feel like can, can get us off to a good start in the game. We've got a few others in there, Braxton Bragg, Cody Frank, um, Max Schreiber could start, certainly start on this staff um, and, and do a great job. We feel like he's really valuable in the bullpen for us multiple times a weekend. Um, and Spencer Schwellenbach, we haven't seen him against live hitters yet this spring, uh, but Again, another guy that could close games and eventually, um, if gets stretched out enough during the season, we feel like he could be a guy that could start by the end of the year as well. Coach, you mentioned Shea Shanneman had a good summer for you. I know it was a bad summer for Kyle Perry, who who uh, injured an arm and is not going. I don't think going to be available for you this spring. Is there anybody else that's on the shelf for you as you get ready to get into this? Uh, right now, guys that. Um, we've got a few more guys on the shelf, got a couple more guys dinged up that are recovering from surgeries um, in the off season. Um, Hunter Cherveny is another that um, hasn't seen any action yet as a Husker. He had had surgery in the, in the off season and is still recovering. And we had the uh, medical retirements of Connor Curry and Paul Tillotson um, basically after the fall season figured they couldn't, continue to pitch anymore with their health. And um, so other than that, um, right now, that's about what we're looking at. Um, hopefully we can get everybody else healthy and ready to go. Well, good. Well, Coach, I, no, I'm not kidding you. It's been the most asked question I've gotten over the last two months. When's the schedule coming out? Can we go to the games? And I know that's yet to be determined. But people are excited. They can't wait. I know you and the staff and the, and the guys on the team are really ready to ramp it up here in about about two weeks. Yeah, yeah, we're ready. We're We've stayed ready. Um, we're not just getting ready. We've stayed ready. And our, mind, our mindset is that we're just bringing on whatever whatever this year is going to present itself, like bringing on. we gotta, we got to be mentally tough to, to battle through it. And I think at the end of the year, the toughest team is going to end up winning. Very good. Coach, we appreciate it. Looking forward to a great season. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much. This is the Nebraska Volleyball Radio Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Big rip by, uh, rip by Cheslick. Doug, Nebraska's got it fed left. Lexi, kaboom! She is on fire. Lexi Sun 11 kills one error, 24-21 Big Red. With Husker head volleyball coach, John Cook. Haley Dinsberger sails the surf back left. Maximova high pass. Joust at the net, tipped over by McNamara. Nebraska's got it outside. Lexi in. 15-12. She's been firing lasers all weekend. The Nebraska Radio Volleyball Show is presented by Sarter Heyman Jewelers, your Husker Jewelry Headquarters. Sarter Heyman, the official jeweler of Husker Athletics at SarterHeyman.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Volleyball Show, John Baylor. Greetings, Nebraska, and hello. Welcome to your special Thursday night edition of our typically 
Tuesday evening Nebraska Volleyball Show this weekend should be fun. Whenever these two schools surround a net, drama ensues. Number five, Minnesota is in town tomorrow night, 8 o'clock first serve, 7.30 airtime here on the HSN against your number four Huskers. Two undefeated teams, something needs to give. Number five, Minnesota, 8-0. and Number four, Nebraska, 6-0. and at the Devaney tomorrow night, we take to the air 7.30 Central Time. And then the rematch, Sunday brunch with the Big Red, 11 a.m. start on Sunday morning. Minnesota and Nebraska yet again. Wow. Should be fun. So many great matches between these two schools since they both inhabit inhabited the same conference. Oh, the, the five setters nearly every year up there. We've had some drama in this building here in Lincoln, just uh, a, a, a budding rivalry built on respect. And Minnesota is already in town and getting ready for tomorrow night. And you can join in tonight with the head coach at 531-500-4686. That's 531-500-4686. With no further delay, let's bring in the head coach in his 21st year with Nebraska Volleyball. He's won... 88% of his matches since starting here as the head coach in 2000. That's best winning percentage of any program in Division I women's volleyball. Here's the head coach, John Cook. Coach, good Thursday evening. Hello. Hey, JB. How you doing? I'm okay. This is, this is very unusual. We're in the spring. It's a Thursday night. I mean, this is the first night that the men's basketball team gets a break since Monday. So finally we're allowed to sneak on the HSN airwaves here and talk volleyball. Yeah, I hear you. That's been crazy. It's a crazy schedule for those guys. But they're young, JB. They're I mean, young. we used to play ball every day for hours. <laughs> so they're young. They can do it. They're, they're playing a, a minor league baseball schedule every night. Yeah. I love they it. get to play. That, that's the cool thing. I mean, people who complain about playing games ought to practice. All right. Yeah. Now, <laughs> let's talk about volleyball. Now, it's a lot of fun lacing them up against Indiana and Maryland and Rutgers, but, uh, boy, Minnesota is just great volleyball typically when, when your Huskers take on uh, the Gophers. But I got a chance to watch them on Sunday, sets four and five against Penn State. This Gopher team has plenty of talent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have the number one recruiting class, and, you know, right now Sam is, you know, playing better than anybody in the country. So, Big challenge for the Huskers. Stephanie Samaday, she's already been chosen twice as the Big Ten Conference Player of the Week. The season just started. She's already been chosen twice, and she's led the team in kills three straight years. She was a, the first gopher ever to be named a first-team All-American as a freshman. Here she is now uh, beginning her first of presumably two senior campaigns. She's a right-side hitter. She gets so many swings, so many more than any other player, so many more kills than any other player from Minnesota. What does that suggest about a team where the right side player the right side hitter is is so featured well john the the reason she gets so many swings is she plays all six rotations and they they set her uh in the front row and the back rows so it's like you know you gotta you gotta remember where she is and deal with her all six rotations so it's a it's a very typical uh international system uh, that this is what the men run, and and most international women's teams, they they have what we call an opposite or right side player that goes all the way around, and um, you know they and they're basically back row hitters. So she she's only asked to really she serves and she hits and and plays a little bit of defense, but uh, otherwise her her job is to is to swing at balls and try to get kills. And she has plenty of company because their new uh, freshman on the outside, wow, she is something. Taylor Landfair, 6'5 outside freshman. I mean, she torched Penn State in that fifth set. It wasn't even a, a particularly close uh, set. I mean, you got to look really hard to find any sort of weakness for Minnesota this year. Yep, they're, they're solid as always. You know, here we go in the, in the Big Ten. I mean, we played – some pretty good teams, but, you know, this definitely goes up a notch. And, you know, from here on out, it's pretty much like this every weekend. You know, Ohio State right now, I think we have them down the road is undefeated, just knocked off Penn State. Uh, 
also, uh, you know, Wisconsin. I mean, everybody's uh, watching Michigan. They look really good. I think we go to Michigan. And so it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, Big Ten is really tough. So uh, here we go with uh, Minnesota. And you, you mentioned Ohio State. They have to be the surprise so far, the, the Big Ten. Brand-new coach. They're undefeated. They take down Penn State last night 3-2 after losing the first two sets handily. They come back and take a deuce game and then and finish off Penn State in a pretty lopsided uh, fifth set. But I got to watch Purdue dismantle uh, Michigan. I mean, I don't know, one through six, the top six, you throw in, you know, the big four, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Penn State, Illinois, and I'd throw Purdue in there. And now Ohio State's sneaking in. I'm thinking the top half of the conference, maybe the top two-thirds of the conference, as strong as it's ever been in volleyball. What do you think? Yeah, I think you might be right. Um, And uh, it's, uh, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of good teams, you know. And I'll I'll just, you know, use Rutgers. I mean, they're she might deserve coach of the year the way they played against us. I mean, I'll be curious. I think they're going to win some matches, and they're going to be a tough team to play um, uh, any night in the Big Ten that they played like they did against us this past weekend. But they're much improved. They're having fun. Uh, but, yeah, it's certainly um, top to bottom. Uh, it, it's as good as it's ever been. We, can, we seem like we say that every year now. It's in most years it's true, and it's saying a lot because the Big Ten sends eight, nine teams to the NCAA tournament every year, and usually two are right there in the in the final four. But let's go back to Rutgers. My guess is a fair number of fans saw the scores, and you know the Huskers losing a set in the second match on Saturday, and they're thinking, uh oh, what's the issue here after losing a set against Maryland the previous weekend? But you know, Rutgers may have a lot of the same players, but you're right. They just seemed like a different team with new energy and a lot of talent. What was it that gave Nebraska a fair amount of challenge both nights against Rutgers last weekend? They just played really well. They only had one hitting error in the first game. They, I don't think they missed any serves. They were serving really tough. They, every bounce was going their way. And, you know, when they got down to end game, uh, you know, after post 20 points and all of a sudden, uh, you know, we, we made a couple mistakes and they capitalized and won the, won the set. So, uh, but they certainly deserved it. And it wasn't like we were playing bad. Uh, it was, they were playing great. And, and um, fortunately we were able to slow them down games two and three. And, and then uh, game four was back and forth till end game. And then we kind of made a big run and, and won it, I think 25, 20. 531-500-4686. You can also chime in on our text line. Eric and Lincoln asked this question. Coach, what does Minnesota do the best? Uh, they're they're um, a very good serving team and also uh, an offensive team. They don't make a lot of errors. So, for example, against Penn State, they had 10 aces, one error. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Mm. Uh, and and they're they're just not going to give you points. You're going to have to earn them. So if it's not there, and you know they don't have a good swing, they just keep keep it in and play defense. And they're uh, um, just you know very well coached. And um, and they've got as we would say in the coaching world, they've got great arms. Sam Aday, Landfair, uh, Reagan Pittman. You know, there's another All American. Their middle blocker. And um, so they've got uh, Donna Rollins, who's given us fits the last mm. couple of years. They're, you know, they've got some great arms on that team. And this brand new setter, I got to get your thoughts on Melanie Shaftmaster. She's a six-three freshman setter. I think she's a legitimate six-three. I can't remember a six-three setter. She, but she's skilled. I mean, she's not like a hitter turned setter, although she certainly hit and had tons of kills in high school at that height. But she looks like a fluid, pretty natural uh, setter. I mean, six three. I mean, that's gonna, gonna that's multidimensional. That's gonna give you guys some troubles. Yep. She she. I think she had seventeen attacks against Purdue mm. uh, in the first night there. So she's she's big. They can pass it tight. She can deal with it, and uh, she's. Uh, you know, it gives them six options uh, every rotation. And um, so, yeah, she was the, the prime or the number one setter in that class, this last year's class, and the, the most coveted recruit for that position. And, and uh, so anyway, it's, uh, you know, she went and visited Minnesota and committed on the visit. I think as a ninth grader or eighth grader was mm-hmm. really early. 
And uh, but yeah, she's an elite elite level setter and tall to boot. Gracially Sapero was, I believe, six two twenty years ago, and that was pretty unprecedented for that position. But I don't recall anyone in all these years that's been as tall as six three. Do you? Who played setter? Um, I have to I have to think back. You know, Iowa setters like six five. Uh, okay. Courtney Ferio. Okay. She actually hits hits and sets. So. Um, that uh, yeah, she's another tall setter, but she's not just a pure setter. And and Shaftmaster has hit before when in club and stuff, but she's uh, primarily just you know focused on the setting position now. But uh, it it's it, it definitely a game changer when you have a tall setter. Now there's trade-offs because uh, you know she may not be as quick as a smaller setter, so uh, there's trade-offs everywhere. But she's going to be big in, at the net and have a huge presence. Now, Coach, your thinking has evolved over the years in, in many ways uh, towards volleyball, but specifically with setters, I think you went through a stage where you were really enamored with the tall setter and often would would uh, do whatever you could to recruit the taller setter. And then of late, you know, Lauren, your, your daughter who sat here is an All-American, you know, she was 5'9". Now, Nicklin Hames might be 5'9". Where do you stand on, on how important it is that your setter is, is as tall as possible? I'm not as sold on it as uh, I used to be. I used to think, you know, blocking was you had to be able to block because there's so many physical left side hitters, and uh, so that that uh, was kind of our thinking. But as time evolved, you know, we had Rachel Holloway, mm. um, Lauren um, uh, set. I'm, I'm trying to think uh, what we brought in. Um, Cindy Anderson, but she was about six foot, and yep. then now Nick. Um, so I think that from the setter position, the most the most important thing for setter position is to be able to set hittable balls and run an offense. And then whatever else they can do from there, great. Uh, but um, that, is, that is the number one thing. And so it um, doesn't matter whether you're 5'8 or 6'2. If you can do that, you're going to be a great setter. For face-off. They score with the face-off. Let's go. Mano Amano. You me right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Sharp and Austin Orman. Oh yeah. Ready to pit the two veterans against each other, Ben McLaughlin and Josh Hookman. And before we get into the face-off part, Austin, I gotta ask you your thoughts about Carson Wentz now being your team's quarterback. Um Multiple and varied. I <laughs> I uh, don't necessarily love it. He's looked like a train wreck for about the last year and a half. Um, it seems like a, a solid buy low deal, a second round pick, and then a conditional or, or a third round pick and a conditional pick after that. Doesn't seem like a whole lot to give up. So this is uh, this tells me just about as much as uh, about Carson Wentz as it does on Frank Reich. I think if Carson Wentz swims Frank Reich swims if Carson Wentz sinks Frank Reich's going down with him I think that's the the gamble being made so it, it's worth a shot I suppose all right there he goes the Colts now have a quarterback Carson Wentz is their new signal caller all right Austin you've seen these questions I have fair right these are these are fair for these guys oh I think so I thought they were perfectly down the middle very well contrived <laughs> I thought we came up with some great <laughs> questions tonight Greg I'm proud of us Josh how you feeling uh, I don't miss this feeling. I'm really nervous. I did tell Austin earlier, though, I'm glad to not be in the same room as the person I'm playing. For some reason, that added so much extra pressure when I played <laughs> Austin when I was in the same room as him. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say, though, I'm, I'm nervous because I didn't fare very well against Austin, and then he didn't fare very well against you. So, uh, And the other thing is, too, like against Austin, I thought that maybe there were some categories that I would – have a leg up, some extra knowledge in, but everything that is a strength for me is also a strength for you. Plus, you have some <laughs> other categories that you know a lot better than me. So, we'll find out. We'll find out. Sometimes yeah. you just don't know. Why play the game, Austin? You've got uh, you got the buzzers and stuff yep, ready. I have a test. Give him a test. All right. Here's what the correct answer sounds like. There it is. Okay, good, good. How about 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 the incorrect? We uh, hope to not have to use this one very much, but just in case, (laughs) here it is. (laughs) Do we have the Tim Curran timer ready? Good for every three seconds. (laughs) Yes. I've got the timer. Okay. 
We're good. I got the timer ready. All right, let's get this thing started. Question one. Teddy Allen is on pace to become one of the top scoring newcomers in school history. Can you name the current top three newcomer scorers in Husker basketball Josh. history? Josh. Josh. Um, Teran Petaway. Give me Teran Petaway. Nice. Want a player pass? How, how many did you say there are? Top three. Oh, I'll play then. Oh, um... So I gotta. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Cla- you can clarify. Yeah. Okay. So is this this at any point in their careers or their first year? First year, first okay. year players in the program. Well, the first one that comes to mind is a guy just last year, Hanif Cheatham. About Hanif Cheatham. <laughs> one strike. All right. Probably gonna have to go back a little bit farther let's try well, further than one year probably what yeah <laughs> <laughs> um let's try uh andrew white how about andrew white nice oh, okay now uh Turan was is number one on the list at 18.1 points his first year as a husker andrew white is third 16.6 so you're wow. missing the middle guy. Oh, man. And you only have one strike. Yeah. Just trying to think how far back to go. Far enough, but not too far. I was thinking Deshaun Burke, but he finished, I think, behind Cheatham. So he probably... Oh, uh, James Palmer. How about him? How about James Palmer? <laughs> Woo! Sweep of the category. Whew. Congratulations. Appreciate it. Good Very work, nice. Josh. Better, had, better, I had them all on my list. Better start than I had against Austin in our <laughs> first matchup, so I'll take it. Any names on your list that weren't on the list, Ben? Uh, well, I, I went back a couple couple further just in case I was wrong on one. Uh, one name I had on my list going way back was Bo Spencer. Okay. Yeah, yeah that was one guy I hadn't thought of. All right, well, we'll stick with the theme of points scored, but flip over to Husker women's basketball for question number two. So in yesterday's game against Northwestern, Husker women's basketball center Kate Kane became the 34th player in program history to reach 1,000 career points. Who were the five most recent players to reach that milestone before Kane? Josh. Ben's in. All right. um, Well, let's go with uh, Kelsey Griffin. Show me Kelsey Griffin. Not one of the most recent. Yeah. Most recent 1,000-point scorers, right? Most recent 1,000-point scorers. Jordan Hooper. Uh, uh, It's my turn. It's Josh's turn. Go ahead, Josh. (laughs) Uh, You can can take Jordan Hooper. (laughs) No, it's all right. I I was going to say more recent than that, Hannah Whitish. Show me Hannah Whitish. That is correct. In fact, she is the most recent. Uh, I was going to say, I remember last year when she pulled that off. Oh, so uh, do I have to play, or do I yeah. get to choose? You get okay. to yeah, you have to play. Okay. All right. Ben, Ben, and you, you better down, just you know. say Hooper, so I know one way uh, or the other. All right, I'll, I'll start with Jordan Hooper. <laughs> Is Jordan Hooper on the list? Oh, not one oh, of the shoot. most recent again. Sorry, Ben That's is over right. two. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. Um, so more recent. Um, Rachel Terrio. Show me Rachel Terrio. Very nice. Two down, two down. 2016 for Terrio. Um, this one, I don't know if she quite got there, but she played all four years. What about um, Tara Laudermill? Show me Tara Laudermill. Boom. Very nice. That's the one I didn't know if you guys She did it in 15. So you got Whitish in 2020. Terrio in 2016 and Laudermill in 2015. How many more do, does he need to get? Two more Two. to go. Ugh. Definitely names you've heard of before. We're not yeah, pulling these out of I, I'm sure. The 2000 Jordan Hooper not being on there, like the fact that it's more recent than that, that's about when I stopped working every women's basketball game, and so I'm ah. a little bit more shaky on the names. Um, I know she scored a lot of points, wasn't here four years. Let's try Jessica Shepard. Is Jessica Shepard a most recent 1,000-point score for Nebraska? She is. Boom. Great guess. 
One to go. I am running out of names. <laughs> you got two more to play with, though. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, um, there's a name, or there's a person in my head, and I can't think of her name. That doesn't do us any good, though. If I, she transferred at one point, so I don't. It is not Leah Brown, I'll give you that. Well, yeah. Uh, who was you, Austin, was it you that guessed one person and Tim made fun of you for it? Was that? Uh, I guess I won't make fun people. of you for any yes. of your answers. <laughs> I... Um, I'm even running out of clock is ticking. Yeah, I know that she was in the same era, but I'll go with Lindsay Moore. Show me Lindsay Moore. Yeah, she was even before. I think she probably graduated before Hooper, but um, uh, Jasmine Sincor. Show me Jasmine Sincor. Has not been a chance to steal. Mm. Well, to be honest with you, there's only one name that I can come up with. Um, and she wasn't a big scorer, but I know she played a lot all four years. Haley Sample. Show me Haley Sample. Ooh. No, thrown out on Ooh. the bases trying to steal. The final answer? Emily Cady oh. also reached it in 2015. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, she was right around that same era. I, I think she was the same era as Haley Sample. I think they came in the same yeah, era. They were the, yeah, Sample wasn't a big scorer. No. Man, I'm impressed, Josh. That was You pulled some really good names yeah, on that good one. Work. That's impressive, yeah. Hey, buckle up, put the, buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. All right, question three. The NBA All-Star Game is coming up. Name the top five vote-getters for this year's Josh. NBA All-Star Game. Josh. Well, let's start with LeBron. How about LBJ? Yes. Number one vote-getter okay. is LeBron James. Player pass. I'll play. Okay. I, can, I can at least guess names here. I don't know if I'll come <laughs> up with the right ones, but I can, can throw some names out there. Let's uh, start with uh, the Greek freak, Giannis. How about Giannis? Yeah. He's number four in the vote-getting categories. So you've gotten one and four. This is hard because it's not necessarily best player. It's just popular players. Yep. Fan vote. So this this includes, obviously, both East and West since I've already Correct. guessed East and West. Yep. Yep. Um, how about James Harden? Hey, how about the beard? Uh, Uh, what about another guard, Steph Curry? Steph Curry. Yep, he's number three. Two and five left. All right. How about uh, Kevin Durant? Give me KD. Yes, number two. Oh, wow, number two. So you have one, two, three, four. You're missing number five. <laughs> Um, and only one strike. Oh. Um, Luka Doncic. How about Luka? Two strikes. Got to be careful now. Ben is, I think Ben's still with us. Is Ben still part of the game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a chance. He's buzzed in like in the first four what? words of the question. Stealing your really strategy from you. Yeah. Well, you got the you buzzed in first on the second, second question. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I would have I would have messed that category up bad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, not to give away strategy, but I am trying to be aggressive on the buzzins. Uh. What about Jokic? Need the Joker. Woo! Got Boom. it. Boom. Number five, he sweeps a category. And up 3-0. Come on, Ben. Make this a <laughs> I'm game. I'm surprised. I had Jokic on my list, but I'm surprised he, he had more votes than Dame or Embiid. Yeah. I wouldn't, Yeah, I wonder what the numbers are on that, like what the top ten would have run out to, because I was running out of guys. Who, yeah, I'll look it up while Gossing. You you want to know who? I'll, I'll look up who six and seven were. All right, all right. Question at number four. Josh leads three, nothing. We go to the NFL. 
Name the first or the five first round quarterbacks drafted most recently to have been traded away from the team that drafted them. Ben. Ben. Uh, Carson Wentz. Show me Carson Wentz. That was the inspiration for this question. Very nice. Play or pass? Uh, well, I got to play. Well, what's the uh, – can you repeat it again? I. So it's the five first-round quarterbacks drafted most recently to have been traded away from the team that drafted them. Okay. So it's not necessarily quarterbacks that have been traded recently, but or drafted or have been recently. like released, but right. they had to have had some been point traded the, from uh, their original team. Okay. Then okay. has uh, Carson Wentz. Josh Rosen. Show me chosen Rosen. Nice. Also very recent. Um. The hot tub guy, isn't he? Isn't Rosen the hot tub guy? So yeah, the hot tub guy. <laughs> so I have a bit of a clarification question. Okay. So are we talking about traded most recently or drafted most recently? Drafted most recently. Okay. Ooh, traded by their original team. Yeah, that changes one of my answers. Because yeah. there's a guy that was drafted in the first round, but he's been around a while and was traded. Yep. I won't um, tell you how okay. far this goes back, but it's not within the last three years. I'll tell you that. Well, shoot, I guess I'll I'll try him then. How about Ryan Tannehill? Show me Ryan Tannehill. He is on the list. Good pull. How many are we looking for? Ben has three of the five nope. so no, far. And no strikes. And no strikes. Trying to stay alive in the game here. There's got to be just some obscure dudes in here. I know. Because there was a bunch of first-round terrible garbage quarterbacks that aren't on their team anymore around that era. I know you know these two names. I bet I know all the names. (laughs) Um, Hmm. Not them. Let's see. Who was their quarterback? Last few... While you're thinking, think Ben, I brought in your trophy. I'm holding it up so you can well, see Well, you might right just now. need to hang on to it. <laughs> Wait, are we doing this a best two out of three, yeah, or is it just yeah, one for... Yeah, this is week one. This oh, okay. is week one. you got plenty of time. Ugh, making me nervous <laughs> here. Um, I don't think this is right, but I'm just, his name's on my mind. Blaine Gabbert. Show me Blaine Gabbert. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Blaine what? Gabbert. See what oh, I mean? A bunch of just terrible Holy quarterbacks cow. that are on this list. Traded from Jacksonville to San Francisco in 2014. And he is the furthest back. I will give you that. That's that's good to know. Okay, speaking of San Francisco, uh, was he a first-rounder? I don't know. Jimmy Garoppolo. Show me Jimmy GQ. He does not fit those criteria. One name, two strikes. I'm sorry, what did you say? That was the furthest back, Bortles? Uh, Blaine Gabbert. Was the first back. Yeah, Bortles was the other one on my mind. Man, Austin giving you guys some nice hints tonight during the game. I hope you guys appreciate that. This is a good question. This is a good question, though. This makes you think a little bit. Yeah. Man, I'm running out of names here. Um, I've got one if you don't take it. But I don't know if it's... He don't think he was a first rounder, but Kirk Cousins. Show me Captain Kirk. All right, I don't know. Correct. I don't know if he was. That's uh, only two. T- oh, only that? two strikes. Yep, only yeah. two that, strikes. I thought that was. Ben's three. got two. He had Garoppolo sure and Cousins. Yep, you said Garoppolo and Cousins were your guesses. Okay. And you've gotten four right. Yep, one name left. First round quarterback. Sorry, Josh. No, yeah, that's, I'm glad that you I, I thought, didn't want I you thought it was my third, too. First round glad quarterbacks that have been traded. You might have revealed the answer. I know. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it would have been no a pressure. trick, and then I told him that, and then he used it, and it was wrong, and then I actually had the right one. Right. Mind cool. games. The Just magnitude kidding. of the moment here, Ben, I, I do have to reset this. The magnitude of the moment. A loss and a Josh Steele, and this thing's over. Yeah. That simple. <laughs> um, man, I'm having I'm having a hard time even like coming up with a team. I 
I'm just gonna throw a name out here. Give me um, EJ Manual. Show me EJ Manual. Josh with a chance. All right. I, as I was beginning to say uh, earlier, I don't know if this guy was a first-round pick. I don't know if he was traded, but... Oh. Yeah, I'll just say him. How about Jameis Winston? Famous Jameis for the steal. Agent. No. Uh, good guess, though, ben Josh. Gets Great the category. guess. You guys are not going to be happy. Who is it? Jared Goff. Oh, oh my God! Yeah. I was thinking too far back. Dang it! All I didn't right. know if you got. I didn't. I, Tannehill was going to be a stretch. Gabbert, there was a no chance because he's been around. I, I would but not come up with that. Jared Goff just happened in the last ten days. I know. I, know. I should. Oh, <laughs> wow. well, well, once that. I was on the Gabbert Bortles like, and yeah. that was my yeah. last get. Like, well, and that's what that I, took me there too. Daniel, like I was, I yeah. was down the rabbit hole. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't coming back up for air <laughs> once I was that far down. <laughs> Well, choose your experience with Woodhouse. Shop, finance, and buy your next vehicle in person or online at woodhouse.com. Question five. Entering play today, name the top four teams in the NHL in points. Josh. Josh. <laughs> Shouldn't have buzzed in. The Blackhawks. How about the uh, Chicago Blackhawks? Oh, yeah. Nice. This is one of those categories that Ben will know way more than me. I have not. They they are number four. You got number four. You got one, two, and three. Do you want player pass? I better play. I feel like that's probably the strategy. Hopefully, I can get a few. Um, what about the Kings? About the uh, L.A. Kings. I think this team is having a decent year. Maybe. How about the Florida Panthers? Ooh, the Florida Panthers. Spicy and Boom. I can In fact, there are three. The, the, the leader has 26 points. Then you have three teams with 22, and you've gotten two of them, the Panthers and the Blackhawks. I know you can eliminate the, the wild from contention. <laughs> They're not in there. Um, <laughs> what about the Boston Bruins? Give me the Boston Bruins. Duh, Bears. Boom. They are also at 22 points with the Panthers. How many does he I can't believe he gets one more. One more. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe you got the Panthers. That's the one I cannot well, believe you got. That's, a, that's the only one that I've heard that like they're normally terrible and they've been having a decent season. The other ones are just I'm tr trying to think of the most traditionally good. So I'll stay on that trend and stick with uh, an Eastern team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. How about the Penguins? Okay, two strikes. Ben waiting in the wings. Well, I better go to Canada for one of my guesses. I'll go <laughs> the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. How about Toronto? For the win. Boom. For wow. the win. Sweeps the category again. Ben, did you have it? Yeah. Well, uh, Toronto was the first team I had written down, so. Wow. Man, congrats, Josh. That was impressive. You swept three categories. Feels yeah. good to... Well, that, that's the worst part is he's buzzing in early and he's sweeping them, so I'm not even getting a yeah. chance. <laughs> yeah. I did not think wow. I was going to get all those. That was lucky. Questions were good, right? They were fair. Oh, yeah. Those were fair questions. Yeah. I, honestly, that was probably the most unfair one given our knowledge of the NHL, but... <laughs> probably I'm disappointed... I'm disappointed the NBA one wasn't like there was like there wasn't further other than like fan. Yeah, did you find the uh, next two, Greg? The six and seven well, of the yeah. Dom was not one of them. Uh, Joker was close. Let me see. I closed. Lillard that wasn't window. close. So here's the thing with so. that is that uh, Doncic ended up getting the All Star game start over Dame because he had more fan votes. Mm. They were tied otherwise. Interesting. Yeah. And, and I pulled this. I think they released late this afternoon an updated fan vote thing. I pulled this this morning. I think they did do the last. D d uh, Lillard was third in the guards behind Steph and Luca. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So. All right, guys. Good job. All right. I wish this was just a one, one off and I had the crown <laughs> right now because I don't yeah. I feel like I got a little lucky with those questions. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? 
There's no crying in baseball. Well, we've got you covered. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action. All right, been a while since we've been able to see what's on everybody's screen. So, Ben, lead us off. So, yeah, avid listeners of this show knows how big of a fan I am of both Survivor and, like, wilderness shows. And there's this show on Netflix right now that kind of combines the two. It's called Win the Wilderness. Here's a sneak peek. Here, one extraordinary home built in the heart of the wild could make the dream of a different life a reality. Six couples, wow. each hoping for a new start in Alaska, have come to lay claim to the property go, go, go. and transform their lives. Wow, absolutely stunning. And the decision of who should take on this property will be made by the remarkable people who built it. We've left our blood, sweat, and tears in here, believe you me. <laughs> yeah, it's been a real labor of love. So he did a good job explaining it there. There's a couple that built this house in this. I mean, when I say secluded, I mean, there is nobody around this house, this cabin that they built in Alaska. Uh, they're, they're obviously elderly people, and they want to make sure that when they you know, pass away, that somebody there to take care of it and kind of take over what they built. And so there's these six couples that kind of do these challenges and stuff and try and get to know this couple better. And ultimately, this, this couple picks one of these six British couples to live there. Uh, and just live in the property. So it's pretty cool. <clears throat> Not as <clears throat> as wildernessy as I thought it would be, like man versus wild style, but uh, still entertaining nonetheless. Cool, Josh. Uh, I we watched a documentary on Hulu called "Framing Britney Spears," put out by New York, the New yeah. York Times. And uh, it was interesting. It, it talks about her, uh, I mean, her childhood and how she uh, became famous and all that. But then most recently, how she has a, a strange relationship with her family, including her father, who's her conservator, which is just a, it's an odd thing. So it, it kind of goes into more detail on that. So it was an interesting watch. Cool. Austin? Not much on the two at the Orman household. My wife's going through a show called The Resident. It's a medical drama, pretty oh, yeah. fitting for a nurse. She really likes it. And together we're going through Seinfeld. Neither of us have seen it. We're tired of references from oh. our family without knowing what's going on, so we're going for it. Are you picking up some of those references? Uh, a few. We're only on episode six right now of the first oh. season, so still plenty of time to go. It is a classic. You're going to like it. I've started watching a series on Netflix called The Ranch. It's got Ashton Kutcher... Uh, Sam Elliott, it's about Ashton This was Kutcher, like week who's... two of uh, Flix Picks for me. This was like my oh, second really? one. Yeah. Maybe I missed that. So, I, I, so I'm just getting into it. I'm almost through season one. I've really enjoyed it. It's funny. It's a great show. Great humor. It, it gets, it, it's good all the way through. I'll tell you that. Are they done with it? Or are they? Yeah, they they're done. It? All done. They've wrapped. The, the ending. Okay. The ending is a perfect ending to the whole thing. So. All right. Well, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. It's been fun to watch that. Hey, buckle up, put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. That's going to put a wrap on tonight's show. Tomorrow night, 90-minute show for you, leading you into Husker Volleyball. Big big weekend for them as they play another nationally ranked team, Minnesota. First real test of the year for the Cornhuskers. So we'll have a 90-minute sports on getting you revved up for that. Thanks to Ben, to Josh, to Austin, and to all of you. Enjoy the rest of the night. Good night.